0: Welcome to First Time Lord, I'm Daniel Levain, and as the title of the podcast implies, I am a first-timer, I have never seen Doctor Who, and now I watch every week with bated breath, just anticipating another exciting, fun-filled story that uh, somehow seems prophetic. And this week is no different. This week, we are talking about The Hungry Earth, which happens to be episode eight. Can you believe it? We're already to episode eight of this new exciting series. And uh, when I think of Hungry Earth, I think
1: of, well, Eric Sweetman. Now, that's an interesting introduction. (laughs) Because when I think of Hungry Earth, I think of Oreos or just something, something to nosh on. And in this case, actually, you know, Really, when I think of Hungry Earth, I think of some ancient horror movie that I remember watching at the Yuma Public Library, where it had a character um, being sucked into the ground, being pulled down in these dunes, and uh, falling into a completely different world. But nothing else like that would happen, could it?
0: Oh, no, 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 not at all. Not at all. (laughs) (laughs) See, when I think Hungry Earth, I think of a 1980s rock ballad. Doesn't it sound like, like, the
1: the <laughs> <Hungry> <laughs> like the Earth? Hungry like the Earth.
0: That's what it sounds like. It's like the hungry Earth. Uh, it's our power ballad. Uh, but welcome back to the show, Mister Sweetman.
1: Oh, thank you, thank you very much.
0: And uh, dear listener, so that we can get uh, the this unpleasantry part out of the way, if you have not seen the episode. Stop the podcast. Go watch The Hungry Earth and come back because in our in our in the course of our discussion, I've got questions about this episode. We're we're gonna spoil it, and uh, I don't want to rob you of the same experience I had watching this episode, which was super fun. So please go ahead and watch the episode and then come back to the podcast. That being said, getting it out of the way. uh We've seen the Doctor miss, like, the timeline by a little bit, but he's not even in the right continent for Rio here.
1: Well, if you're dealing with all of space and time, the fact that he hit the planet at all is pretty impressive. So, yeah, yeah, it's okay. And really, the the, the TARDIS has had this history of pretty much going where it needs to go, not where the Doctor wants it to go. Well, that would explain it's got why its own he opinion. can
0: park the TARDIS inside of Amy's room, but he can miss the continent altogether when trying to get to Rio.
1: Yes, yes. I mean, granted, if you spend a lot of time in uh, England and you know Wales and stuff like that, maybe it's a lot easier to know the specific <laughs> geographic locations than it is to find a ginormous Christ statue with its arms spread out. I mean, where you don't yeah, you, know, you don't know how to get right next to one of those all the
0: time. <laughs> right. No Jose Carioca either.
1: <laughs> uh, yes, you always need a good parrot to hang out with.
0: <laughs> <laughs> a cigar chomping parrot at that. Uh, I also love the idea that, you know, Amy's outfit is meant to be Rio and all it is is just a mini skirt.
1: Yeah. Like, or it's was a- it shorts? I never remember. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's like, like a normal oh, well. outfit
0: except for the mini skirt, like everything else is just a normal, like Amy outfit.
1: Yeah, well, you know, the first time we get to see her as an adult, she's wearing her little mini skirt cop outfit that was there, uh, uh, yeah, uh, Halloween costume or kissogram. <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's like they, uh, I, at this point, you know, w- there's been several episodes in which we discuss uh, Amy's follies and how some of my other. Uh, First time Lord experts are uh, not so keen on Amy. This is definitely one of those episodes where the producers of uh, Doctor Who were like, "Hey, we got uh, we got this uh, amazingly uh, beautiful actress playing Amy. Let's uh, let's give Karen Gillum uh, an excuse to show off her incredibly long legs.
1: <laughs> Why not?
0: <laughs> sure." uh no fan uh, service there no fan service there right you know <laughs> meanwhile matt smith still wearing the outfit still the bow seen, ties are cool <laughs> still haven't seen the uh the legs um but all uh, the, the goofiness aside this episode had this like weird sense of like it, it's cre- it, it's trying to create the the darker or emulate that darker sensibility that some of the uh, tenant episodes had with a little bit of suspense a little bit of uh intrigue and then the aliens look really creepy but in general it's just it's hard for me to take Matt that serious it, it, is that a problem that you have come across or is it just me
1: well, he's charming, he's witty, He's he takes everything very lightly. Um, and perhaps, like, you look at the cast of his eyes, they don't have that fiery intensity that David Tennant could have. You know, I think uh, um, I enjoy Matt as an actor quite a bit, but um, he doesn't have that same... Um, ironclad grip on the emotional intensity he wants to project the way uh, the way tenant does um and so even when he's trying to be more serious and um describing the uh the dangers around it's almost like well yeah these are very serious but you know go ahead and see what happens kind of thing you don't get the sense of um there's really anything at risk with him.
0: Yeah. The, it. Everything in in this particular episode, everything seemed playful coming from him. And then mm-hmm. everybody else seems to be stuck in a, the beginnings of a horror movie, the beginnings of like a movie, like the thing where right. there's something coming and we don't know what it is. Uh, you know, it, and and it does revisit kind of a a previous theme that Doctor Who explored uh, back in what was that? C- series three um, in the the Impossible Planet episode, where oh, yeah. you've got a team that's drilling, and the drilling becomes a cause of concern. So yeah. the, you know there was a little bit of. Uh, Uh, It it was a bit of a callback, Uh, you know, this time is on Earth instead of a different planet. But, you know, even that episode, The Impossible Planet, had it it definitely felt claustrophobic and it had uh, a much more dreary sense than this did. And I think this was trying to go for that.
1: Yeah, that one had uh, that industrial environment and it was... Like, you know, any slight thing could cause them all to die because they're on a different planet. Their atmosphere wasn't there. It was inherently dangerous to mm-hmm. exist in that area. Here, it's a place in Wales. You know, it's... And they gave us a little weird tease of, oh, look, there's us. You know, it was yeah. um, Rory and Amy from the future, but we never got close to them. So it's like, this is an unusual setup that they're there that's weird um and then the but it's still this little town you know and nobody else was around so that you didn't feel as claustrophobic as you could because it was wide open and nobody was there not fully enclosed um but you, the the idea of these horror movie tropes, it's like it's dark. It's hard to see things. Um, you don't know what the villain is until it gets finally to you because they kept it as uh, flashing by in, in darkness. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it is a constant thing that we are scared as a species. We are scared of what we don't understand or what we can't see. Our imaginations make things worse for us than... Just seeing it in broad daylight, mm-hmm. um, and I think that's true for a lot of um, a lot of the sci-fi villains, and in particular, a lot of the stuff with Doctor Who historically, because the way the effects budget had been back in the old old days, they weren't scary.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, it was far better to be afraid of them because you couldn't see them than to be going, "Oh, yeah, that's laughable," when you could. And here, they are more intimidating when you can't see what they are exactly.
0: Well, I think uh, you know since since we're I'm drawing the comparison to the impossible planet, the mm-hmm. the threat in that episode was the unknown, was whatever was causing these uh, the ood. Uh, to misbehave and Mm -hmm. uh, the possession of one of their own scientists. Um, And I know they, again, like you mentioned, they try to play with that unknown here. We don't really know who the threat is until we do. Uh, But, you know, it takes almost 35, almost 40 minutes to finally see the threat face-to-face. Uh, and again, everybody in this episode seems to be playing it like it's this psychological thriller, whereas every time the doctor speaks and maybe it's because of the way he's kind of set himself up to be this kid friendly doctor, it, it, it felt from me, for me, it felt very much like the I, I, I was more in tune with the doctor's sense of wonder and naivety and uh, uh, and playfulness than I ever got into the the, the mood of the episode, and I kind of realized at the end of it that I maybe I was supposed to have felt that the episode was a little scarier than I than I actually did.
1: Right. And maybe it would have been better for them to have written this story where the doctor disappeared for a good chunk of it Mm. like you if you could see these events happening these holes these people being taken away by this um, mysterious holes in the ground and the doctor is not there to explain it or to protect anybody from it yeah and he comes back in later towards the end of the episode with a big reveal of who your big bad is that would be interesting and far more um put you on the edge of your seat because we don't have the here. We have the people who either just met him, haven't met him, or the companion who is still getting to know him. You know, Amy and Rory could say, well, no, we have to have faith in the Doctor who will be able to do that, but they're still young enough in their adventuring that they don't know him that well. They're not sure of that yet either. Well, and as you so, mentioned... I think it would be an interesting approach.
0: As you mentioned, Amy and Rory there There was almost no stakes to uh, Amy getting swallowed up by the earth, because, like you said, we begin the episode with the doctor pulling up the binoculars and saying, Oh, those that's you. Yeah, so re- anything that happens, we kind of sort of get this inkling that nothing's going to really happen to anybody because the doctor's going to continue on. Uh, clearly, and Amy and Rory are going to be there as older Show versions of themselves. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it, it, it took away, I think, the moment. It was the first time we see the, the, the gentleman that's uh, operating the drill get sucked down. You're like, okay, there's clearly something going on. And as Amy is getting pulled down, you see... Uh, and I feel bad because this feels like the first time that I'm really kind of coming down on Matt Smith, but Matt is concerned like, or the doctor is concerned that Amy is getting pulled away from him because he feels responsible for his companions. But it didn't feel like it. with Tennant or with, uh, with Eccleston, you felt the doctor get really upset when his companion was threatened. Like the doctor almost grew in size when he got mad that his companion was in peril. Yeah. And instead in this, I felt like Matt kind of shrunk a little bit. Like he became a, uh, a more delicate version of the doctor. Uh, and maybe it's because he already knew what was happening because uh, I guess we've been talking around the the – the big bad of this episode but it seems to be and correct me if i'm wrong this is these creatures are a, a group of aliens that the doctor has actually come into contact prior
1: to this uh yes and no he has come in contact with them they're not aliens
0: oh oh, oh okay <laughs> so we see that cuz ultimately and again i i've warned you dear listener but this is you know we're going to jump uh the at the very end of the episode he's down and they've got this like whole city built so they they they're they didn't they're not aliens they they're what what does that mean because they've got this whole city underneath the ground that kind of looked a little bit like an ood city
1: mhm well um if they're not alien, what do you think that means? Let's see. let's I take mean, it carefully. They, they would They'd be
0: Terran. They would be they are from
1: here. Yeah.
0: They, they, yeah. So these are creatures that evolved at the same time as humans?
1: Nope. Before.
0: That it, oh, okay.
1: Yeah, so um, you know there there will be answers coming later the uh, the stories from um the 70s i don't i really can't tell them that well because i might have read a little bit about them a long long time ago i don't know everything about them except they first appeared 52 years ago um but uh as as creatures they have a claim on the planet that is probably more um more genuine than our own, mm. so they're not alien. They're, they're from here.
0: They're not alien. They're from here, but the doctor has come into contact with this race, then not aliens, but mm-hmm. this the species, I should say. Before, yeah. um, so maybe that's why Matt's portrayal is very. Blase about them because he knows who they are to him. That's not the mystery to him. The mystery is why are they burrowing their way up?
1: Right. Yeah. They would need to, like his concern is they've been, um, they haven't been involved with the, uh, the surface issues in a very long time. What is causing them to uh, create these disruptions? Why have they created a force field around this city? Why have they um, pulled people under? Um, what's what's the motivation? What is their what is the reasoning for this? And um, that's that's where the doctor has to um, get in there, investigate, and then uh, and negotiate, as the case may be. Mm.
0: That well, I guess that, I guess that would make more sense uh, to the portrayal. So maybe I'll take some of the uh, the harsh criticism that I was directing <laughs> at the doctor's way because that would make a little bit more sense. Um,
1: but uh, yeah, the challenge that I'm having right now is keeping it separate from the following episode because I know that we will discuss that next week, but they are so closely tied together. It makes it really tough to go. What was revealed here versus revealed next time and things that you don't know yet. Um, I don't want to, you know, sorry, Sarah, the only person that I worry about spoiling it for is the guy. That uh, to absolutely. <laughs> absolutely.
0: Uh, well we do, there was one more thing. So, uh, we do get to see, uh, the doctor does sort of, uh, corner, uh one of the resurging species and we do get to see that even though they have that really scary look to them that it's actually a mask and that underneath they're mm-hmm. much more humanoid looking lizards yes and yeah these are the Silurian the Silurian which Silurian <laughs> uh, I mentioned how sometimes the the Doctor Who can seem to be very relevant to the time, even though these episodes aired, uh, you know, at this point almost a decade ago. Uh, But here it is. The Doctor is dealing with lizard people. What is one of the greatest conspiracies (laughs) that is going around? Mm. That the government has been infiltrated by lizard people.
1: (laughs) Uh, They must have better masks than this. Because these still look like lizard people. (laughs) It's not V. We're not dealing with the. Uh, oh, my the gosh, alien v.
0: <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh uh, my gosh.
1: Freddy Krueger eating a mouse back in 1980 yeah, something. But he was a nice guy.
0: He was a nice guy. Yes. Um,
1: he was a vegetarian, so to speak.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but the. Oh my gosh. The, the idea that a current. Conspiracy theory that is how ha- that has a lot of people, a lot of what you would believe to be uh very aware, intelligent, smart people believing what basically a sci-fi show that was kind of known to be schlocky, uh you know, like that's ridiculous. But the moment that she took off her mask, I was like, oh man. The QAnon people are probably people. watching this. Going, yeah, I told you. <laughs> and I guess that would track with what you said earlier. It's like they've been here forever. They've been infiltrating us for the longest time. <laughs> um. So you know that to me that was a pretty uh, fantastic reveal. And of course, to reveal that she seemed to be very much about starring uh, starting a war. Uh, yeah. And being the first casualty of this war, like she is all too proud to sacrifice herself for what she believes to be this incoming war between her race and the doctor or the, not the doctor, her race and the human. The apes. The, the apes. She said that. <laughs> she did say those words. Um, and then, of course, yep. you know, the doctor. Because takes, then
1: it makes sense. <laughs> Yeah, it makes sense because she is um, of a reptilian background, and uh, we are uh, primates. And so yeah, we're you know, she only from looks at other us,
0: genetic material yeah, that she would
1: consider inferior. Yeah, sure.
0: <laughs> I mean, it's the, 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 the age-old problem of, you know trying to annihilate one race over the other because they feel inferior or superior, you know, that's good old, yeah. tro- uh, good old tropes like that. I'm used to doctor who tackling. Um, but I love the fact that while the, while she, the, this reptile or no, I'm sorry. What, what's the name of the race? Silurium, the Silurium, mm. so
1: yes.
0: while the Silurium, uh, raised up using some, you know, burrowing technology and came up from the ground, from beneath the ground, the doctor just jumps on the TARDIS and again, missed Rio, but can go right down to the center of the earth through wherever these people are and park the TARDIS like nothing.
1: You seem to have some problem with this. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> I just
0: I I love I it always makes me laugh when the doctor, you know, is like, "Oh, I went in the I went to the wrong time." But then when it's convenient for the writing, you're like, I'm going to park the TARDIS like in the tightest space possible.
1: On the head of a pin. <laughs> right. I mean, there, there's that one episode yeah. with,
0: the, with the doctor where he parks the TARDIS and he has to like get back in and repark it because the door is facing like in such a tight spot that he's like, he has to turn the TARDIS 90 degrees. <laughs> You know, it's like I I love that idea. He can miss a whole continent, but he knows exactly when he wants to. He knows exactly how to get it there.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I don't see the problem. I'm, I'm perfectly offended, <laughs> well, but, but I also do. Uh, and you're yeah.
0: not the only. You're you're not the first person to to mention how the TARDIS she uh, will take the Doctor where he needs to be more than the Doctor steers the TARDIS to where he wants to go
1: right you know think of it like quantum leap what is the power that made Sam Beckett leap from life to life to make right what once went wrong (laughs) this doesn't have quite the same metaphysical depth of storytelling but it is the same idea of like well you know what would be more interesting than going to Rio or them having this adventure and what would be more uh, cost-effective for the production? Let's just do it here in Cardiff rather than going <laughs> to another country and dealing with all that flies with our whole crew.
0: <laughs> but again, like like you mentioned, the idea that uh, the doctor has mentioned how you know he knows everything that has happened, everything that will happen, and even the things that shouldn't happen. So the fact that the TARDIS is sort of a, a partner in crime And being able to detect, oh, this thing is about to go down and it's not supposed to, let's get you to that location uh, so that you can right that wrong because this is a point in time that is not fixed. This is a point in time that you can and should absolutely influence. Yeah. So I I love that notion. Very good. So is there anything that I missed?
1: in this episode. Oh, I was about to ask you okay. if there was anything that you wanted to, uh, have more clarity for I mean,
0: I mean, other than, are, are we going to see, uh, what happens with the uh, future Amy and future Rory? Uh, I know there's clearly, this is a, uh, to be continued episode. Uh, you know, I love it when I get to those endings and I see those words, but, uh, are we going to see what's <laughs> happening to them?
1: No, not uh, not right away. Yeah, and it, that's the weird thing. That's what bothers me about these uh, this pair of episodes is that okay, they were there, but why were they there? And I don't. I have no answer for you on that one. We don't see um, a crack in the wall of any kind in this thing. We don't have that recurring uh, theme for this particular uh, episode. Um, we, yeah, the, it's, it is sort of left up, uh, you know, it's a pretty self-contained story. Um, I, I will say the next episode goes a little bit deeper, uh, and explaining a few things. And what I am curious about is, um, the year this was set up to be, you know, wasn't this episode supposed to take place in 2020?
0: Yes. Yeah. I remember <laughs> 2020. So we're way
1: past that now. <laughs>
0: You're like, where were all the people wearing their mask? Where was, you know?
1: Right. Well, no, that actually makes a great point. It could be very much. Set in 2020 because there's nobody out and about. Their social distancing is fantastic for this, and it would explain the lizard <laughs> people.
0: It, 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 yeah. it all makes <laughs> sense now. Yeah. 2020. Oh my gosh, Stephen moffett uh, drank from the same tea that Russell T Davis did, and now they can see the future. And-
1: and Chris yeah. Jabelle wrote it beautifully.
0: <laughs> well, you know when you have a soothsayer telling you what to write, <laughs>
1: mm-hmm.
0: yeah, that's yeah. hilarious. Uh, that's hilarious <laughs> that it was. I forgot that it was twenty twenty. Uh, <laughs> um, all right. Well, uh, well, while we're reveling on <laughs> the incredible uh, timeliness of that episode, uh, what don't we uh, hear what uh, Ashley's Tardis tidbits will bring to us this week?
2: This is Ashley's Tardis Tidbits for Series 5, Episode 8, The Hungry Earth. This episode and the one that followed were both written by Chris Chibnall, who is the current showrunner of Doctor Who. He had previously written for the show in earlier seasons and also its spinoff series, Torchwood. This episode features the return of the Silurians, who we last saw in the 1984 episode, Warriors of the Deep. Knowing that the Silurians were not as popular or recurring as other villains in Doctor Who history, Stephen Moffat instructed Chris Chibnall to bring the creatures to a new audience. So Chibnall decided to start out knowing nothing about them and introducing them in the most exciting and scary way possible for people who have never seen them before. In the scene where Amy is dragged underneath the ground, Karen Gillan stood on boxes and lowered herself into a stone compartment Two pieces of rubber were at the opening of the compartment, which expanded as she lowered herself down. A layer of soil was spread across the rubber, and therefore Gillen's ears were taped over to make sure the soil did not get into her ears. Although she was initially scared at performing the stunt, Karen Gillen put some of her fear and claustrophobia into the scene, because she expected that Amy would feel the exact same way.
0: (laughs) I can't imagine what that must have felt like. Um, but yeah, I would put my fears too.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's something about being buried alive, even if it was all part of the plan. It's like, you know, you don't realize how much weight there is in even simple things. You know, I remember hearing stories when I was a kid, uh, people, People in the, uh, working in the um, uh, flour mill, you know, where they're grinding up the flour and stuff like that. And, you know, you could fall in and the flour itself is so light and fluffy. That it'd be easy to sink for a bit, but then when you try to get out, there's all that weight you are pinned and you can't breathe anything because it's all right there, clinging to your face. People suffocate and die quickly from that. Um, you know, falling into a grain silo or falling into a corn silo, all this stuff, you know, it's a horrible way to go because there's that much you can do, there's nothing that you can get, um, purchase on to pull yourself out of, and uh, just. Be here with soil being dumped on you, or you know, you're swimming in that for a bit. It's you know the quicksand thing is a lot more terrifying when it's actually happening. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, when it happens to you. So thank you so much, Ashley, for this week's uh, TARDIS tidbits. Uh, but finishing off our discussion on that quicksand, that scene reminded me of the uh, lightning sand from uh, the Princess Bride.
1: <laughs> Inconceivable.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, kept, I kept waiting for the ROUss to to manifest themselves.
1: <laughs> I think they were, you know, instead of rodents, they were uh, dinosaurs of unusual size. Yeah,
0: lizards of unusual size. <laughs> <laughs> but now I definitely know where the QAnon people got their theory. Twenty twenty lizard people. David Moffat and uh what's the name of the the show writer?
1: Oh, uh, Chris Chibnall!
0: Oh, there you go. <laughs> they're they're all yeah. part of this conspiracy now. They they've all been tied into it. So as you mentioned, yeah, the one
1: thing we didn't get, the one thing yeah. we didn't get for current events is they didn't talk about Brexit at all. Uh, oh, <laughs>
0: <laughs> or the parties that uh, were happening at uh, <laughs> at
1: yeah at, at Ten Downing Street, <laughs>
0: right. <laughs> So that, that'll be part of the next uh, episode, I'm sure. Uh, but I'm sure. Uh, as you mentioned, it is a continuation, so it would be my great honor if you would join me next week for the conclusion of the Silurian uh, adventure. All right. I'll be here. (laughs) Excellent. Uh, And uh, as always, thank you, dear listener. We've made it to the end of yet another exciting first time, Lord. As always. You can support the show by heading over to our website, which happens to be firsttimelord.com. There you can find this episode or all of our previous episodes. And you can even comment on them. Let us know what you thought. Uh, let me know. Uh, did Did you like this episode? I I kind of did. But you know, it's a two-parter. I can't make my mind up until I see the second part. Uh, and uh, you know, let me know what what did you think of the Solarians? Uh, I I think they're the reason that QAnon exists now. I could be wrong. Uh, while you're on our website, after you left the comment, you can. Uh, support the show by visiting the merch shop we can sell you some cool t-shirts and iphone cases and other stuff there Uh, all of it helps to support the podcast and keep the podcast going Uh, but you know if merch is not your thing you can head on over using the link on the website to patreon or search for my name daniel levain on patreon and uh that allows you to support the show in a different financial way uh, none of which is uh, any less valid than merch uh, or supporting through Patreon Uh, you know just supporting (laughs) the show in general Uh, but the best way to support the show is uh, by finding yourself that other Doctor Who fan out there that like me doesn't know they're a Doctor Who fan yet and needs to be introduced to the show And introduce them to the show and the podcast. And let's get this community growing even further. But I am out of time. I have to jump into my TARDIS and park it in the middle of the earth. Because we're going to go finding us some Solarians. See you next week, everybody.